beyond the veil. Aren't you thankful that now you are face to face in God's presence beyond the veil? There is no more veil, people of God. There is nothing to keep you, nothing to keep you from being fully in God's presence. There is no more veil face to face. In God's presence, beyond the veil. Oh, I wish I would have known that years ago before I started seminary and started accumulating so much debt just because I had all these questions and I felt so unworthy. There is no more veil and I dare say that there never was a real veil. The only veil that is there is something that we have projected. The only veil that stands between us and the inclusive love of God and divine presence is our own feeling of unworthiness. Every time we feel as if we are not good enough, that we're somehow not worthy to be in the presence of God, then we imagine there's a veil and we cannot get past it. There never was one, and yet we have put one between us and God. But thanks be to God, not even our veils can keep us from the love of Christ. Thank God there is no more veil in Jesus' name. Will you please repeat after me? I live in divine presence. I am moving beyond the veil. Nothing holds me back. I am a dreamer. I believe. And so, loving God, we have said that we believe. We have proclaimed that we are dreamers. Now, may it be so in this sacred space. May it be so in our lives. We open our minds, we open our hearts, we open our very lives to try on the liberating good news of Jesus Christ right here and right now. It is in your name that we do pray. Amen. People of God, have you ever had one of those weeks? Oh, yeah, I heard yes. I heard some pain here in the front row. Yes, we've had one of those weeks, and this week for me was a tough one. I tell you, I stand before you this morning, and I am exhausted, not just physically, but emotionally, and even more, spiritually, I am exhausted. It didn't start off well because I'm lactose intolerant, but I had to have a glass of chocolate milk so bad. There are some things you should not do, and yet we still do them, and we still expect a different outcome when we do them. People of God, it has been a tough week, not just for me, but for all of us, for our country, and for our world. I say to myself, in a world full of possibilities, why is it that our dreams always somehow keep turning into nightmares? I am indeed a dreamer. I dream and I believe, and yet there is still no peace between Israel and the Palestinians.
People of God, this morning I stand before you and I am struggling. I am struggling and yet I'm a dreamer, yet there is still no implementation of the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance because of lawsuits. People of God, I am a believer and still this week the city of Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge, is that how you say it? Baton Rouge. Bunch of Cajun folks. They failed to pass their own version of the Equal Rights Ordinance. It was voted down. So many folks, RMCC, brothers and sisters, have been fighting for equal rights in Baton Rouge. And yet still, it gets voted down. People of God, I try to see and move beyond the veil, but you see in New Jersey, a transgender teen is trying to find a middle school she can attend because the one she was attending told her she cannot come back as Rachel. They will only recognize her as Brian. People of God, I may live in God's presence and talk about how the love of God is for me and for everybody, and yet another young African-American young man is shot and killed by the police in Ferguson, Missouri. People of God, I am a believer, but people were protesting with military-grade weaponry pointed right at them. I ask God, help me, help me, help us all. People of God, I am a dreamer and still people, heroes like Lauren Bacall and Robin Williams passed away this week. And we learned how they died and Ms. Bacall had a stroke and we were sad. And Robin Williams, once we learned about his suicide, it caused a stir among so many of us. People knew about his struggles with addiction, but they did not know about the depression with which he dealt. I mean, how could someone with such talent, someone who brought us laughter and joy, who made us all smile, someone who used the God-given talents that he had for all of us, how could this person be susceptible to such struggles? Makes you wonder how many of us who spread good news in our community, who fight for justice and try to encourage people. How many of us are silently struggling, bravely struggling, and yet we keep on going on? There are so many of us who are dreaming of a better world, but sometimes our dreams seem to get crushed. You see, even those who dream do struggle. In our scripture today, we see the character of Joseph struggling. And now the struggle might not be so apparent at first because Joseph has been living it up in Pharaoh's house. He's been rubbing elbows with the rich and the famous, but it was not always like that. If you remember from last week, Reverend Troy introduced us to Joseph. He was his father's favorite child and as daddy's little boy, he was given a special gift, a coat of many colors. And his brothers were annoyed at this. They didn't get this gift. And as a matter of fact, they might not have wanted or enjoyed such a campy, rainbow-like colored coat anyhow. I mean, drag was not supposed to be a phenomenon of the ancient world, but that doesn't stop dreamer Joseph. He dreams, dreams, and he's proud of his dreams. He wants to conquer the world, and he tells his brothers, he tells all those around him, you're going to bow down at my feet. I had a dream, and you're going to be worshiping at my feet. God's going to bless me. You are going to see the blessing at 
my feet. He wants to be the center of everyone's attention, and it's the attention of his brothers that he grabs. They are tired of Joseph's bragging. They're tired of him talking behind their backs to his father. They're tired of him showing how he's so blessed and they're not. His brothers can deal no more with him thinking that he's God's only gift to this world. They're tired of him walking around like his excrement does not stink. They're tired of him. You ever been tired of someone? You just had the feeling that if I could just get rid of this person, just the feeling, just the feeling, Joseph's brothers go beyond the feeling and they have had it. And so they throw him into a pit and they abduct him and they sell their brother into slavery and they tell their parents that he was killed. And so we move on later in the story and Joseph grows up as a slave in a foreign nation, the nation of Egypt. And later he winds up in prison on a false charge. How many of us, how many people in our community have been accused falsely? But that does not stop him from dreaming. He dreams dreams and he's good at interpreting them too. He's so good at analyzing what people dream that he ends up interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. And he does so well that Egypt's highest official Egypt's highest official. Be sure you hear this. Pharaoh is so impressed with this immigrant's abilities. You see, he is an immigrant in a foreign land. Pharaoh is so impressed that he gives this immigrant a job on the spot, doesn't ask him for any papers, takes him right out of prison, and gives him a high cabinet position. That is not bad for the dreamer, Joseph. You see, even Egypt made room for the dreamers who came across their borders. But don't let the promotion fool you. Joseph was a dreamer, yes. But even with the good things, even with the blessings, even with all the good stuff that he is receiving from God, this dreamer is still struggling. Like so many of us who have been betrayed by our families, people who have been excommunicated from our churches and our, our uh, birth families, Joseph is wrestling with his own identity. He is wrestling with his authenticity. He is wrestling with who he is. And even while dreaming, he is struggling with his past. You see, good things have worked out thus far externally, but one still has to reconcile things internally. You might be good at hiding the pain. Oh, we got some good hiders. You might be good at numbing the pain. You might be good at ignoring the pain. But sooner or later, people of God, it will catch up to you. Like clipping the wires to a fire alarm and then going back to sleep. Yes, you might not hear the alarm anymore, but the fire is still blazing and the house is still on fire. You can ignore it if you want to, but it will begin to bubble up. It'll bubble up to a point where you might be so surprised that your emotions begin to get the best of you, just like Joseph does in our story. The story says that while he's in front of his brothers, he begins to get very emotional. 
His brothers who somehow in some way made their way into Egypt, made their way in front of their long forsaken brother who they do not recognize at this moment. And while in front of them, Joseph can no longer control himself, the text says. And he tells the Egyptian high court to get out of the room because he's so ashamed of what he's feeling. He's ashamed of the tears of how he is acting. And he sends them out. And while he's out, then... Joseph can no longer control it, and he breaks down crying. And his brothers are wondering, what is going on? And like a good melodramatic twist in any telenovela, he yells, I am Joseph, your brother whom you sold into slavery. Bum, bum, bum. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Now, if you think Joseph should put the smack down on his brothers for what they did to him, I would not blame you. If you think Joseph should cuss them all out and send them all away, I would not blame you. And if you think Joseph should forgive and reconcile and make amends, I say, I guess. But if you think Joseph should forgive, should reconcile, should use his own privilege, his own money, his own reputation to protect and bless the very people who did him wrong in the most terrible way, if you think he should do all of that, I might say, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Would you do that? I would not. I would not do it. I would have to get past some feelings. It would be a process. I would have to work it out in therapy. I'd have to come and see Reverend Troy on his own time and talk to him about this stuff. But it would be difficult. And yet Joseph does it. You see, through it all, he has found reasons to share the gifts that God has given him with the people of God. God. Even when things look bleak and terrible, when pit happens, as Reverend Troy told us last week, he is able to see God at work in his life. He is able to still see the possibilities, and he trusts that good can come from apparent chaos right there in his life. And so when his family comes to his adopted country looking for some sort of aid, Joseph is in a position to be a blessing and he forgives and he gladly gives what he can't, any, what he can't even uh, express. He forgives and he gladly gives what God has given him. He tells his brothers later on, what you meant for evil, God used for good. What you meant for evil, God used for good. What you meant for evil, God used for good. Now hear me clearly, I'm not saying that every evil circumstance that you go through, that there's a specific reason for that. But what we are saying is, every circumstance, no trying, no, no matter how trying it may be, how difficult, uh, how taxing it might be on your emotions, on your physical body, on your spiritual life, still, there's the possibility of something good coming out of it. Are you able to go and move through it?
with all the evil that happened this week, I will say that I am still a dreamer. I am still a believer that good can come out of it. But people of God, my beliefs mean nothing if I am not willing to work with God. I can be outraged all I want when I hear a school about a school that will not recognize a transgender use identity and expression. But if I am not willing to confront a friend in my own social circle on their transphobic remarks, then what real good am I doing? I can be outraged all I want about there not being peace in the Holy Land, but if I'm not willing to recognize the desperate poverty conditions that people are living through because of a blockade, then what real good am I doing? I can be outraged all I want about what has happened in Ferguson, Missouri, but if I'm not willing to listen, if I'm not willing to hear, if I'm not willing to affirm people who have been historically oppressed, and if I'm not willing to acknowledge my own racist thoughts and feelings, then what real good am I doing? If we are not willing to confront and put some real work into the dreams that God has given us, not just for us, but as a society, then there will continue to be no peace. There will continue to be transphobia. And we will see Ferguson happen over and over again. I am saddened, and I'm angry, actually, because we as a society have tried to ignore and say there isn't a racial problem in this country. We say it's not there, and then we're shocked when stuff bubbles up. But I hope you can see that the same system that leads to our children dying and being needlessly killed on the streets, whether by citizens or local authorities, the same system that kills our youth and continues to stigmatize people of color is the same system that leads to discrimination against gays and lesbians. It's the same system that perpetuates discrimination against trans people. It's the same system that perpetuates misogyny in our world. And it's the same system that led Jesus to being crucified on a cross 2,000 years ago. Now, I want to be very sensitive. We may try to theologize and reconcile Christ's death on the cross by saying that Jesus willingly laid his life down for you and for me, and he was crucified for spreading God's love. But the historical truth of the matter is that one does not get tried for sedition. One does not get named an enemy of the states, an enemy of the Roman Empire. One does not get publicly executed for nicely saying to people, God loves you. Jesus was executed on a cross because he said God loves all people. And shame on you, Rome, for perpetuating inequality. Shame on you, religious leaders, for keeping the people in bondage. He went into the temple and he turned over the money-changing tables because the authorities were taking advantage of the poor and the oppressed. You see, the same system that leads people to be angry and they protest and they riot and some even loot is the same system that leads Jesus to become angry and to march into a holy temple of God and go to one of the tables and flip it over. It's the same 
system. The same system has led to the death of another youth of color. It's the same system that executed our Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God that we are beyond the veil and the system does not have to stay the same. Thanks be to God that we can make a dream of the kingdom on earth come true and come now if we are willing to work towards it. You have to believe, people of God, and you have to work towards this dream. And believing in your dreams means you have to believe in yourself. There's a picture on my wall that says, believe in your dreams, they might come true. Believe in yourself, and they will come true. I understand that much suffering is caused by people who think that they're God's gift to the world. You are a gift. You are not the gift. But as a gift, we have to move beyond the veil. And I want to be very clear, the veil, even though we put it there, in some sense, it is always going to be there. You see, because we're going to make mistakes, and we're going to be put in circumstances that are going to cause shame to be felt in our lives. We're going to be put in circumstances that are going to cause people to make us feel unworthy. We're going to be put into circumstances that are going to make us feel like we do not deserve to be in the presence of God. But God does not say that you have to ignore the veil. God says you move beyond the veil. You recognize your feelings. You affirm those and then you move beyond those. You recognize that there are struggles and there are challenges, and yet you move beyond those. You recognize that Ferguson will happen again, unfortunately. You recognize that people will die because of homophobia and transphobia. You recognize that people are going to be stuck under a system until we, the people, try to fix it in the name of God. And yet I still believe... I believe in you because God created you. Be the dream, people of God. Move beyond the veil. Weave with God this dream that you indeed are somebody. Weave with God and believe that you are capable of achieving your dreams and also helping other people achieve theirs. Will you do it? Not just today, not just in this room, but when you get home and you look in the mirror, when you look at your partner, when you are who you are. I believe it. I'm hopeful. Repeat after me. I live in divine presence. I am moving beyond the veil. Nothing holds me back. I am a dreamer. And I believe. I believe in you. Amen. Amen.